Happy New Year! <laughs> no, seriously, guys, it's a new year, right? It has to be a new year. I just cannot believe that we've lived 700 lives since March. One minute, everything was, you know, okay. And now we're just completely in like the second circle of God knows what. Anyway, let me focus. Welcome to season two of the Perfect Podcast. Yay! Guys, seriously, I am so excited to welcome this new chapter in Perfect. Season one wasn't that long ago, but it feels like I said, it feels like we've lived so many lives. And at the same time, I was listening back to all the episodes and I was just so proud of what we created. I am so, so glad that you guys continue to take this journey with us. So now I'm not going to talk too much because we have a kick-ass interview ahead of us. I want you guys to just sit back and enjoy the conversations that we're having this season because they're really important and needed. And these women are just like, you know, truly, truly, truly amazing. Let's get into it. Today's episode, the first episode of season two, is my mentor, friend, everything in my head and now in real life, Cindy Spiegel. Cindy Spiegel is a truth teller. I just love that. She's a truth teller. This lady will tell you the truth. She's author of A Year of Positive Thinking. She is the creator and curator of the Dear Grown Ass Women, a community for women 35 and over. She is all about speaking her truth and speaking truth into women. She is one of these people that is just passionate, a woman's woman. She's a passionate about elevating women and sharing their stories and empowering them along the way. Cindy left a 15-year career in fashion and transitioned into this space fully. And let me tell you something, when I say somebody's walking in her purpose, Cindy Spiegel is walking in her purpose. So you guys, this episode, whew, beautiful. I'm not going to talk too much because I feel like you need to sit down, grab your pen and like just let her pour into you. Cindy, thank you so much for honoring this invitation. Thank you for pouring into my audience. And I cannot wait to hear the feedback from this one because it's good. Enjoy Cindy Spiegel, guys. So hi, Cindy. Hello. Welcome to the Perfect Podcast. I feel like this was supposed to happen and I'm so excited that it's happening now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. We've been trying for months and we are here and we're doing it. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Not a moment sooner. So I'm really grateful. So how I usually handle things here is I would love for you to introduce yourself because if I did, I don't think I would stop. I have so much to say about <laughs> you. But I think there's something powerful about a woman, you know, speaking her own truth. So please go ahead. Who is Cindy Spiegel? I am an author. I'm a speaker, and I'm also the founder and CEO of Dear Grown Ass Women, which is a platform and a community for women 35 and over. Now, those are just titles, right? I don't think that they necessarily sum up who I am. I think they are some of the obvious things about who I am. But beneath those titles, I am a woman who is incredibly supportive of women, particularly women of a certain age, and starting over whenever the hell we want to. There's so many parts of Cindy Spiegel, but those are just a few of them. I like that a lot. And yes, you're right. There are so many parts of Cindy Spiegel. So we're going to break down a few of them on this episode. I love that you mentioned Dear Grown Ass Women, which is what we will get to in a, after a few other things. But I'd love for you to tell us how you got started in like your professional journey in general, because I know you started in the fashion industry, right? Yeah, I started in the fashion industry from a very young age. I knew I was going to work in fashion. At least I thought I would work in fashion. I, I Grew up in New Jersey in poverty in New Jersey, like legit poverty. And I've been working since I was 16 years old. I started by working in the mall and, you know, I worked two jobs in the mall at 16 and knew from that point forward, once I realized that it could be a career, I knew that when I graduated high school, I would study fashion, whatever that meant. So I did eventually go on to FIT, studied and worked in fashion for 15 years. I actually got a graduate degree in global business traveled around the world, spent 15, I think actually closer to 16 years in the fashion industry. And I left when I was 35. So it was spring 2013 wow. fashion week in New York City. And I was working the shows. And for anybody who works in fashion, you know what a, an incredible opportunity it is to be part of New York Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, Milan Fashion Week. So it was very exciting. And as exciting as it was, I knew inside that there was a turning point and that I was done with fashion. And part of it, as I was working at an incredible luxury brand at the time, I was traveling, you know, to Italy every couple of months 
for business and staying in villas and doing all of the things that outwardly looked successful and they were successful, but my heart was not in it. And I realized it was about two o'clock in the morning and it was the night before the show for spring fashion week. And the designer requested that another pair of pants be made for the runway show the next day. And I remember looking around the room and having this moment of saying like, oh my goodness, everybody is so they're running on adrenaline and they're so happy to be here. And I knew that I didn't, I didn't belong in that world anymore. I wasn't aligned with it. I didn't believe in it. And it's not to say that I have any issue with fashion unto itself, but I knew that that was no longer my journey. And so a few weeks after that show, I gave my notice and have never looked back. And it was the hardest year of my life between 35 and about 36 and a half, because I had spent a life building Building. something that I had then dismantled. Wow. 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 See, I didn't even know that last part because I can imagine that what I, for some reason, I didn't realize I was at 35 that you had made that decision after, you know, investing 15 years in that because it's really, and I'm encouraged by that because it's really difficult for us. I think us, I'm by us, I'm about to throw a point here. I mean, the collective of us in general of like, you know, feeling that it's too late. And I think it's so incredible because we've seen so many people doing like amazing things. And I know you have seen, and we've all seen the memes where like, you know, they list that, oh, Oprah started at this age, this person started at that age. But talk to me about that decision, because like, I I completely relate to that in terms of like, you know, you feel like your mind and your spirit has been all into this one thing. And that thing is your thing for Mm -hmm. so long. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Not all of a sudden, but still like in your one, at one point you make the decision. He's like, no, this shit is not for me anymore. Like this is not where my heart is. How did you navigate knowing what, where your heart was, was like, you know what I mean? It's one thing to say that you feel like this is not for you, but how do you now figure out what is for you? So First of all, I think something that women in general, we don't do a very good job of trusting our intuition. In general, we Mm -hmm. know that something's not serving us, but we don't trust it enough to just make a move. For me, I had spent quite a lot of years studying philosophy and yoga, and I felt very much connected to my soul and to what I knew to be true. It didn't make Mm -hmm. it any easier to make that decision, but what it did was allowed me, sort of having that inner self-awareness allowed me to understand that even though I didn't know what the next step was going to be, I knew the first step was going all in and leaving all together. I knew that there was no half-assing it. I couldn't be half in the door and half out the door. Like I needed to leave. That, that part I knew for sure because I trusted my instincts. That mm-hmm. next year and a half that you're asking about, you know, it's like, well, how did you know what the next thing was? I still don't know what mm-hmm. the next thing was. And it's seven years later. Mm-hmm. Literally, what that moment taught me was that we are evolving. Every day we're evolving, right? And so the beauty of knowing that is that we have a choice that we can make that says, I'm willing to do this difficult thing, which for me in that position was quitting my career, right? For somebody else that might be Mm -hmm. deciding not to start a family or it could look like whatever it looks like for you. Mm -hmm. By choosing that first, I didn't need to know what was going to come next. But what I did was put one foot in front of the next. In the most tangible of ways, the first opportunity that came up for me was One of my old graduate school professors had always told me that I should be teaching. I had never taught at that point. I had had teams that worked for me, but I'd never actually been in a teaching role. And this Mm -hmm. was at FIT. And the only thing I could do was say yes. And so I started teaching a class at FIT. I was already a yoga and meditation teacher. So I started teaching small classes in my apartment. So literally what started happening was all of these opportunities for me to teach what I knew. And this is not something that three years before I would have ever given myself enough credit to be able to do because I would have thought I wasn't expert enough to do those things. So the universe in some ways laid out these opportunities for me to start teaching. And essentially what I started doing was saying yes to anything that was offered. It was teaching. It was, would you come talk to my students? Would you, you know, can we talk to you about this business that we wanted to start? literally anything anybody would ask me, I had no, if I didn't have an excuse to say no, I said yes. So I said yes to everything. And what that did was it allowed me to step into my own power and my own voice. So instead of feeling like I was the fashion industry and I was nothing without it, it helped me really understand that I, Cindy Siegel, the woman, was unto myself, my own power. 
And that it wasn't about only the thing that I did for a living. And so it started to help me separate those two. And once you separate those two, no one can fuck with you. Because then oh, yeah. you know who you are. Then you can yes. do whatever you want from that space. But you have to be able to separate who you are from what you do in the world first. Jesus. That is an absolute word. <laughs> Honestly, I think that this is even going to be very beneficial just in general because I am sitting here just like making sounds because you hit the nail on the head without even any direction at all. I was on your website. I read that someone that had attended one of your speaking engagements had mentioned mm-hmm. how you take it upon yourself. I'm going to quote it. Cindy has taken okay. it upon herself to free women of the fear of needing permission. She challenges us to stand in our truth or sit with our pain. And then this part is what really resonated with me. Until we strip away everything that does not serve us and uncover what does. I just love that. And that's exactly what you just spoke about. I feel like I just learned something as well because I'm always thinking that, you know, while you're doing one thing, you need to start thinking about the next thing, right? Or like, you know, like there always has to be some rhyme or rhythm to navigating that actual purpose or like forcing it to happen. But what you're saying is true because sometimes you literally just have to, first of all, disperse of anything that is not serving you. And in that wait period is when, when the universe and everything starts to work into place. What you said about how you hadn't taught until after this period and that started to come together. That's a beautiful manifestation. Yeah, it truly turned into everything that I do today, right? Because it taught me presence. It taught me what it meant Mm -hmm. to be able to teach, but also be able to listen and how that changes the way we communicate with people. You know, it's why I can now speak to a room with 8,000 people in it, because I know that it's not about me needing to know all the answers, but it's about the space Mm -hmm. that I'm holding and the way that I can have an exchange with folks that are in the room with me. And taking the small steps to say yes to teaching, I had no idea that it would lead to what I do today. You know, at this point, I've published mm-hmm. a book that's done really well. I've spoken on many, many stages. I had no idea. Had you asked me then if that was what I would do, it didn't even occur to me. And sometimes we're being called to trust this next step. So one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, and trust that mm-hmm. we don't need to know the answer. And I get asked a lot. And I'm sure many, you know, you, I'm sure you do as well, which is like, how did you get here? What can you Mm -hmm. share that, you know, we can take with us so that we know where we're going? There's nothing. There isn't an answer, right? There's nothing that I or anybody else can tell you that's going to tell you how to get to where you're supposed to go. The only thing we can do is glean wisdom a little bit at a time from the folks that we respect and trust and then carry on our own journey right? Because there's nothing that I can say that's going to get you or anyone else to the next. But what you can do and what I can do and all of us can do is be more honest about our own stories, share our journeys, and don't be stingy with them, like tell the truth. And that will inspire or motivate somebody else to trust their own instincts and share their stories, which will in turn do the same thing, which is get them to the next step and help them evolve. My goodness, that is exactly it. I swear, it's almost like you can read my mind. I get those questions a lot, especially with being in an industry where honestly, like I get tired of saying the same thing because everybody's like, how did you get here? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I got here how I got here. It wasn't something that I I set out to get into. I did not go into publishing intentionally per se. It's something that started when I was planning my wedding and then it just kind of like, you know, spiraled into something else. And then I found out that, oh, wait, this is definitely where I'm supposed to be. You know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So it's really, really encouraging that you're saying that as well, because honestly, like the truth, truth is so personal. It's so personal to everybody. And I think that's the challenge in terms of like, you know, getting women to share their truth and everything, because everybody's looking for obviously a winning formula or a way to Mm -hmm. a path that they can just take because it gets really overwhelming. And that's, that's really where I was going to is, both of us can agree that it definitely gets really overwhelming sometimes when you don't have direction. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's why I think it's most important in those moments to get used to sitting in the discomfort. You know, we have to be willing to, and this is the hardest part. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable, not knowing and not having a recipe for it. Yeah. 
I think people struggle with that, but you're very right. Like the, the discomfort is where beautiful things come out of. A hundred percent. And and on top of that, sometimes it's not beautiful, but you need that too. I don't always think that the discomfort is going to lead to magic, but I think it's going to lead you to where you need to be. And And a lot of the times that discomfort is just about understanding where you are and allowing yourself to be there. And that's not to say that you shouldn't learn from other people. You know, if somebody thinks they have a recipe, by all means, read the recipe, but then create your own, you know, like learn as best you can. And there, there is no time that I think wanting the recipe goes away. It's not like, okay, seven years in, now I have everything. Now I don't want a recipe for success. No, I still want somebody else to tell me how to do this because my goodness, it would cost me a lot less money if somebody would just tell me how. But I know that at the end of the day, I have to figure this out for myself and you have to figure this out for yourself. And where we are today is not where we are going to be a year from now or two years from now or five years from now. And that's all part of the beautiful evolution that is a lot of times very messy. And so what? So it is. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Sydney, for that. It brings me to a question I do have that I wanted to mention, like, what, what would you say, like, with all of that in mind, what would you say was your biggest challenge, like, you know, with making, making the decision to leave and to sit with it? Like, what would you say that was your biggest challenge during that transition period? The biggest challenge wasn't making the decision to leave. That was instinctual. The biggest challenge was, mm-hmm. who the fuck's going to pay my bills? <laughs> Where am I going to get any money from? You know, like, but that's the reality for a lot of people. It's, it's, they don't mm-hmm. stay in stuck mm-hmm. positions because they want to. We stay in stuck positions because we feel like we have to, you know, from a security <laughs> perspective. It's like, who's going to pay my bills? Where am I going to live? So I would say that was the hardest thing. And mm-hmm. second to that was community. I had spent all of this time in a career. I was now an adult woman. I didn't really have friends who didn't work in the fashion industry. And so if uh, I removed myself from that industry, who was I anymore? Where were my people? So I found it was incredibly lonely because I didn't know where I was going. And everybody I knew could only share with me what they knew, which was the fashion. Limited. Mm-hmm. So that was rough. Wow. It was the in the community. I can imagine that's the challenge because then it's also part of what you were saying about how like only everybody can only speak about what they know or like, you know, what, what worked for them. And just imagine how challenging it is for you that's looking to go out into something else or to leave something. And that's, that literally is your network. So speaking of that community, let's move into community building now. So you decided to form a community. How did that come about? And I'm not even talking about Dear Grown Ass Women now. I know you had created a community called The Community of Us. The Community of Us and another one called The Collective of Us. The Collective of um, Us. Yeah. So it really started like a lot of things, you know, it started and I hate how cliche this sounds, but it started out of a need. I didn't really have my people anymore. And so I realized that a, it wasn't so much about how old I was at the time, but it was just really about for folks that were in a transition, women in particular, who didn't really have anywhere to go to bounce ideas off of, to share thoughts with what I I knew at that point, what my skill set was. My skill set was facilitating conversation and curating community, like bringing the right people together. But any other expertise was very limited outside of building a business, building a fashion business, because that's what I had done. So Mm -hmm. I realized very quickly that there was a need for this. And I went out on social media at the time. I think I probably had, I don't know, 900 followers and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of starting something. I will share what I know, which is, you know, I can coach you on building a business. I will facilitate a fashion business in particular. I will facilitate the conversation. But would anybody be interested in doing this? We'll meet every two weeks. You know, it'll be a safe space. There were, I don't remember who it was, 26 or 36 people that responded and said yes. And that was how we beta tested what eventually became the collective of us, which became over years, a small business incubator for and an accelerator for women entrepreneurs that I only closed six months ago. And it was very successful, but it was really based on a need and knowing that I needed my people and probably other people did as well. And it was very successful. We opened twice a year. We filled up every time and and then shuttered. And then six months ago, Actually, a year and a half ago, gosh, what year are we in? 2020? No, it would have been 2020 now. So 2017, right after Trump was elected, it was a year after Trump was elected, I think. 
And I was mm-hmm. just like, oh my goodness, we need a place to go to have conversations that are not on social media. And we need to talk about what's happening in the world and to us and internally. And so I started a year-long project called The Community of Us. And the idea behind The Community of Us was we were going to have in-depth conversations in a smaller safe space. So I created a year's worth of content focusing on everything from balance, feminism, what it meant to be friends with women, like literally just uh, 12 months of topics. And we had that program. It lasted for a year. It was incredible because it really got women who didn't know each other from completely Mm -hmm. different parts of the country and the world to come together and have deep-seated conversations that were change-making. So again, all I did was accept a teaching job at FIT years ago, and then it's led to all of these other things. Exactly. But like all of these wonderful things that like you lead so gracefully and like just create one thing that I've always felt like I've been drawn to you about is your ability to facilitate and like to create these conversations, create these triggering moments in our minds that are catalysts to like, you know, really amazing things. And I think that in general is one of the facets of Cindy Spiegel. And it's such an impressive thing because community is so important. And it's it's literally what a lot of us are craving in regardless of whatever situation that we are in our lives or whatever point in our stories we are in. It's community that's like something that's just in our heart because you want to know that somebody else is in is within that struggle. Like for me, I crave community in everything, like from my infertility to like my business, like even as a lawyer, most of the time, like you crave, (laughs) you crave that camaraderie or like, you know, that support that only community can give you. So first of all, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for always (laughs) doing that. My question to you before we get into Dear Grown Ass Women, what is your advice to someone who's trying to build a community and what steps, I guess it's a two-part question, and what steps can they take to get people to draw people into that community, for lack of a better word? Mm -hmm. So the first step, thank you for saying that. And the first step is showing up as yourself. And I know that sounds really obvious, but I think the first step in building a community is creating a space for people to land. And that means being yourself, the good shit and the bad. Meaning I don't want to be a part of a community where the person who's leading the community, I feel like is a little bit bullshit. You know, if I don't believe in you, I don't want to be part of anything you create. But if, if in fact, you truly want to build community, whoever that community is with is show up in a way of being transparent and genuine first. Allow people to see you and get to know you first. Don't put on a facade for the world because you think that's what they want to see. So be yourself because by being yourself first, The folks who are drawn to a community that you are building are drawn to you genuinely. And when someone's genuinely drawn to who you are, they will support your mission and your work in any way that you need. But when you're bullshitting or you're putting a facade on for the world to see, and then you say, come join me in this, that's Mm going to lie. It's it's like living in a glass house, right? Somebody's going to see through that very quickly. So first is be genuine, right? Be yourself, show up in the world as yourself. The second thing is don't worry about numbers or how big a community is right? Ask one person to join you. Get clear on your mission and ask one person to be a part of it with you. You don't need a bajillion people. I know that's not a number, but it should be. You don't need a bajillion people to be in community, right? If community is about belonging and being seen and being heard, you need one other person. So when you're wanting to build community, don't make this about building something that is a million people. Make it about connecting and creating a space of belonging with one person. And from that one, it becomes five. From that five, it becomes 10, et cetera. But don't create something that you're intending to be massive up front because I think what you do is you make it overwhelming for yourself. And I had to learn that the hard way, which is if my goal, and again, this is getting clear on the mission piece, why are you doing this? If my mission is about belonging and creating a safe space to connect and be honest and to support each other, then I only need one person for that. Anything over that, I'm lucky. You know, now obviously it's a little bit different when it's a business because you do have to make money, but still that goal in mind, that doesn't change. You want to make sure that you are yourself. You want to get clear on what your mission for having this community is and then engage one other person. 
because they will get you to a place where you feel like together and collectively, you will start to realize how important whatever it is that you are gathering around is. And from that space, you have the courage to really sort of speak about what you're doing and include more people in this community. Let's start simply. I love that. I think it's really important to be true and also be sure of what it what the essence of the community like what it is that you're trying to achieve with the community is because at the end of the day it should still come down to bringing this people and bringing this support together and being that and forming that relationship with whoever mm-hmm. it is so yep just start where you are and start with one i love that i think that's really really helpful okay so With community, like I said, you've created, you created these two really amazing and successful communities of women. What has been the draw for you? I know that you said it, like it's been based out of a need in your case, as it is for many people, but it's always been communities of women, right? So I love that because I think that we, of all people as well, always really do crave that support and community and like you mentioned earlier women are afraid to like stand in their truth or like you know trust their intuition so being able to be in a group of women sometimes is all you need to gather that strength and confidence to grow yeah and for me it, it never I never set out to work with women that was never a thing in my mind I just knew that when I was in this this low point in my own life where I was trying to figure out where the hell I was supposed to go I knew that I was drawn probably to the maternal feeling of being in a space with women, which, you know, eventually I came to realize this has always been the way with women. And, you know, there's a, for millennia, this is the way, right? Women gather in different ways, but I didn't know that I was not setting out to do anything particularly for women. It just sort of happened that way. But I think, you know, there there are so many ways to to create community. And for me, this is just where I felt compelled and called to be because I needed that myself. You know, I never, ever, I'm sure you know this, but I am a half black, half white Jew with, with a queer brother. I never felt like I fit in anywhere, you know, not growing up, not being in the fashion industry. And I also grew up in poverty. So socioeconomically, I didn't seem to fit in with my friends. So for so many reasons, I felt like I went through life, not feeling like I belonged. And so it became that much more important when I had a platform to let other women know that they belonged, no matter how much they felt like they didn't, you know, and And to really give women the permission to just show up for themselves. Yes, completely. I completely agree with that. And I completely connect with that. And that's exactly what you have done. You've created these communities for women to be able to show up and be themselves and, you know, like find themselves in the process, which brings me to one of my favorite things that I'm so excited to join next year. Talk to me about Dear Grown Ass Women. Yeah. Dear Grown Ass Women, please. Dear Grown Ass Women is very exciting. It is by far the biggest vision and platform that I've ever created. We launched just a couple of months ago, five or six months ago. And what Dear Grown Ass Women is, is a platform for women that we celebrate, elevate, and connect women over 35. But truthfully, and it's 35 and over, but truthfully to me, the core of Dear Grown Ass Women is bringing women together and by doing so, giving them permission to show up for themselves and one another. Because what happens is we get to this place in our lives at 35, where, which for me was a pivotal time, you know, we get to this place where we feel like we're already on the path we're supposed to be on. You know, we're grown ass women, we're adults, we have children, we don't have children, we have careers, we don't have careers, but whatever it is that we, wherever we are at that age, there seems to be something in our minds that clicks into place where we feel like this is where we have to stay. It doesn't matter how unhappy we are, perhaps unfulfilled we are, we still feel like this is, it's now been decided. And to me, dear grown ass women is about, no, 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 it has not been decided. You can change your motherfucking mind whenever you want to at the age of 35, 45, 55, or 65. And this is about creating a platform and a space for women to come to grant themselves permission to show up and to also evolve and change in community with others. And we do that in lots of different ways. There's the online platform. We literally meet every single week on a live video chat. We're meeting up in Palm Springs next week. So there's on there's in-person, there's online, there are master classes, there's content we're starting to create. So 
it is a large platform and it's a growing platform and it's an exciting platform, but it really, at the end of the day, comes down to giving women the tools and the community to continue to evolve after the age of 35. Yes, that is, I think that's one of my favorite parts of what it's about in general, because you are right. Everybody always feels like you need to have everything or it's not even just you need to. They just assume that you have everything figured out and that your life is decided for you by the time you turn 35. It's everything from relationships to businesses to everything. People just automatically assume that like you're you're quote unquote old and this is what life is supposed to be. And this is your lot in life. You know what I mean? And so you can't pivot. You can't change your mind. You can't like take things back. Like you can't leave a relationship. You can't do it. You have to settle because you are now 35. So I think that it's beautiful that you have this. That was the one thing that I saw and I was like, okay, listen, you completely get what women, especially in this age range and like even women period, what the challenges that we're facing in terms of like what society's expectation of of your situation is in general. So I think I think that it's so beautiful. This is actually what I wanted to talk about. There's so many things that you can talk about in general about how the, the challenges women face once they get to this age. But first of all, I wanted to mention that I think I saw one one post that you had posted or maybe Dear Grown Ass Women had posted about how it's okay to demand your worth. It's okay to yeah. ask questions. And I think that's something that women find very challenging in general. What would you say to a woman that's struggling to figure out how to raise her voice and, you know, like ask for what she's worth? And this is not just in a professional setting. I just mean in like period. Something that I always recommend, and I think it's important, is that we start small. An example that I give around this, because I do a workshop on women and asking or on asking in general, it's really hard if you if you're not used to using your voice, the last thing that you are going to be able to do confidently is walk into a room and say, I deserve a hundred thousand more dollars than I'm getting paid. So I say, start with something small. And and the example that I use is if you don't like ice in your water at a restaurant, ask for ice with no water. I sit down for lunch in business meetings and I don't like ice in my water. It's a personal choice. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm paying for my meals. I have literally made women uncomfortable when the person who is helping us brings a glass with ice and I ask to have it sent back. No, I'm not an asshole about it. I'm very respectful about it, but it makes so many women uncomfortable to ask for what you want and to be in the company of other women who ask for what they want because we're used to being in a position of serving everybody else. So what I like to suggest is like ask for a small thing first. You don't want motherfucking ice in your water. Ask for no ice in your water. If somebody has cut you off in the line, just say, excuse me, I was standing here. But use your voice in smaller ways. Get used to being heard. And if somebody doesn't hear you, repeat yourself. And that seems like maybe it sounds like common sense. But again, you know, the first thing you're going to do when using your voice is not go after the biggest thing you can think of. Start small and start using your voice every single day, even if it sounds small. You know, think of something every day that you would like and ask for it. We're just not used to asking for it, and we're certainly not used to getting it. And so we, we've sort of positioned ourselves in a way that we are always waiting to be given what we deserve. Oh I'm saying goodness. you deserve whatever the fuck you ask for, so just ask for it. The op- there's, there's always a chance the person's going to say no, but you're not asking for the end result. You're asking because you know that you deserve it. You are deserving of it. And there's no reason you shouldn't have it. it. It can't be contingent on the person saying yes. You're asking one way or the other. But we've got to start asking and being comfortable asking. Totally, yes. I completely agree. And I feel like you're talking to me because a lot of times I just don't want to make another person uncomfortable. Like even yeah. something as basic as ice in the water or if somebody mm-hmm. brings a little thing that's off of the order and like, you know, impact the enjoyment of your experience, whatever it is, whether it's dinner or anything like that. I'm always like, "Mm, I don't want to make a fuss, but you are completely right. Like that's exactly how we should even start like, you know, practicing and like flexing our voice because you deserve it. And you're not making any, you're not like ruining anybody else's process. I'm blown away by how simple it sounds, but like how difficult it is for all of us, like to just use our voice and speak up for ourselves. 
it's fascinating too, because even right when we talk about it, it almost seems like, like the idea of us asking for something is about making somebody else uncomfortable or creating a fuss for somebody else. We can't, mm-hmm. we don't even think about it as the simple thing it is, which is, oh, I just don't like ice, you know, for whatever reason, I just don't like ice. But instead in our minds, it's this huge undertaking about how we're going to upset someone. And the last thing women want to do is upset somebody else. I'm saying, first of all, we're not going to upset anybody else, but why does who you are come second to everybody else's happiness? Well, yeah. Who decided that? Now, I need to be clear. What I'm not suggesting is that we behave like assholes, right? I'm not suggesting that we're rude and obnoxious and you know, that, that doesn't serve the world. That doesn't serve any of us, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking for what you want and, and doing that in, in minor ways to start out with and do it. And you can be kind at the same time. Yeah, I completely agree. And it actually brings me to the next question, which is really what you just mentioned. Anyway, it's everybody's always so afraid to prioritize their self. Like, you know, in conversations and in, in general, I think that's another thing that I believe is part of being a grown ass woman <laughs> is like, you yeah. know, being able to like say, because you had mentioned, you know, even when you said you were going after you had left the fashion industry and, you know, saying yes to things and just, you know, doing what you knew, like what doing things that were going to benefit you as well. I always find that a lot of women, especially women in this age range, like in our age range moving forward and everything everybody's always so scared to put themselves first or like listen to their own needs as well. And it goes hand in hand with what you're saying, obviously, with even just raising your voice and advocating for yourself. What would you say for someone that's really struggling with that in general? Like, you know, trying to even put themselves first. As women, we're we're taught and we're conditioned to like become second or like, you know, try and put ourselves down so that it's not not even put ourselves down, but like, you know, like try and prioritize everybody else's needs before ours. We try to make ourselves smaller. Exactly. Like we're always trying to put ourselves smaller. Yeah. We make ourselves smaller so that we can accommodate everybody else's greatness, everybody else's size, you know? So if I'm smaller and I don't ask for what I want, then that will allow you to be who you're supposed to be in the world. It doesn't matter that I'm not who I'm supposed to be in the world. As long as everybody else is happy, then we're all good. The first thing that I would suggest is, I guess I don't have any suggestions, but I do have some thoughts, which is when you surround yourself in the company of women who show up in a way that you want to show up, you quickly realize that you can behave differently, that you can change these things about yourself. So the first thing I always suggest is community, right? Be mindful of who you spend your time with. Be mindful of how you spend your time. Because if you're spending time in community with only folks that think and do exactly like you do, then that is where you're Mm going to stay. But if you can be uncomfortable enough to branch out, build relationships, we have the internet, it's a beautiful place to start, build relationships with people that are different than you and who are doing doing things differently. And that allows you at least access to see what that looks like. What does it look like to do things differently? What does it look like to be uncomfortable and do things differently? And then you slowly start to do that. And when it comes to using your voice, again, you know, I think it really does start not just physically with using your voice, but also, again, it comes back to like small apps, small things that matter to you. Are you talking about them? You know, oftentimes we have these ideas or thoughts about things that we would one day like to do, but we've never shared them outside of our own head. I don't know. I want to start a fashion brand. I want to make pins for a living. It doesn't matter what it is, but we have to talk about them because in talking about them, those things become real. And when they become real, we can get more excited about them. And when we can get more excited about them, we can speak about them in a bigger way. And when we're used to speaking about our dreams and our hopes in a bigger way, it allows us to believe that there is a capacity for us to advocate for ourselves in a bigger way, in a deeper way. But we've got to start small by, at the very least, asking. So the the short answers are community and starting small by asking for what you need and starting to use your voice in that way. I love that. I completely agree. Thank you for that. It also brings me to something because part of being a grown-ass woman now, especially with people, especially given your background and your decision to pivot or, you know, change directions, a lot of women also really find this challenging with starting a new or starting something new. 
is imposter syndrome. Like, mm-hmm. and I need, I think it all goes back to what you've been saying from the beginning and, you know, as finding that voice and advocating for yourself. But like, at the same time, so much shit goes on internally in terms yeah. of like, you know, you getting in your own way and telling yourself that you don't fit in here. You don't like, this is not, especially with the lack of community, mm-hmm. <laughs> like feeling like, mm-hmm. um, this isn't your lane or everybody else is doing it way better than you. I would love to know what your thoughts are on imposter syndrome and tackling it in general. Yeah. So the first thing about imposter syndrome that's really important to know is it's always going to be there. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you know. At this point, I've sat on some stages with some very successful folks. It's always going to be there. And once you know that, you real I, I will sometimes remind myself when I'm sitting next to somebody or I'm in the room with somebody that I'm in awe of, I'm like, yep, they don't think they belong here either. Right? Because the more none of us feel like we belong in those rooms. There I shouldn't say none of us, but very few of us, especially women, and we, we don't none of us think that we should be there. And so if we remind ourselves that the other people in the room feel the same way. It helps a little bit. I know it's ridiculous, but it does help a little bit. It's like, mm, she doesn't think she should be here either. But yeah. ultimately, we're all, and I know people hate this saying, but I do believe we're faking it until we make it sometimes, until you feel comfortable in that room. Our only job is to keep showing up in those rooms. Our only job is to keep doing the work that is uncomfortable. Eventually, that will get incredibly comfortable, and you will feel like you should be in that room. Mind you, I didn't say you feel like you belong in that room, but you feel like you should be in that room. That sense of belonging that comes with imposter syndrome, like I don't belong here, that's internal work. You have to belong to yourself, right? I go into lots of rooms that I don't quote unquote belong in, but I'm going to be there anyway. And I'm going to be confident when I'm in those spaces anyway. Listen, sometimes I'm going to have a better time than others, but it's not when you stop seeking belonging from being in these spaces, you quickly realize that you can go wherever the fuck you want, right? And when you stop expecting everybody else around you to know more than you do, then you realize that the playing field has been leveled. But part of it is just keep showing up. It's having the grit to keep showing up in those spaces until eventually you feel like you should be in that room or you should be doing that thing. It sort of goes back to when I first started teaching. You know, I thought, why would anybody want me to teach? I mean, I'm only out of grad school for however many years. Like, what the hell do I know? And until I stood in front of that room full of students and I realized that, and this is something that I was told very early on, chances are, you know, more than they do. <laughs> and, and the reality <laughs> of it is, is, is we're not leaning on that, right? Because you, you want to make sure that the other folks are being heard. But when it comes to feeling like an imposter, we all feel that way. So there, but you weren't asked to be in that room if we're talking about a room or to do that job because you don't know how to do it. You were asked to be there because you do. That's very true. I'm taking that with me, period. We always forget that. Like, and I think that's a great mindset in general. Like, first of all, knowing that you earned it and that you're supposed to be here because they asked you to be here and this is where you're mm-hmm. supposed to be. But also the fact that nobody else knows what the fuck they're doing as well. So why not? Nobody. Like, <laughs> nobody does. Yeah. Like, that makes me feel a whole lot better. Everybody else doesn't know what they're doing as well. We're all just doing it. And you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So I love that. Thank you, Cindy. Thanks for that. Of course. I went to see Oprah when she was in in Brooklyn. She did her tour here and was with Michelle Obama. These are incredible women, right? And the one thing I remember walking away with is how little we have to know most of the time, because true wisdom is only going to come with age. We can't hurry wisdom. We can't hurry knowledge. You know, you can go to college, you can get all of these degrees, but I can promise you somebody like Michelle Obama is going to share with you her story today because she was in the White House, because of her experience, not in spite of it. Somebody like Oprah Winfrey can share with you now 60 years of wisdom because she's made it to 60. And so how are you at 30 or 35 or 40 or 45 supposed to know everything in the world? You're never going to know it all, but you know what you're supposed to know based on where you are today, period, end of story. That is exactly it. I hope everybody listening is just like gathering themselves like I am here because it's true. Like you're not supposed to have everything figured out. Like that is 
man's imposition on our lives and just completely unnecessary. So thank you for that, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With Dear Grown Ass Women, how can people join? What can they expect from it this year? Because like, I can assure you that anybody that's listening to you right now wants to be part of your community. So tell us how that works. I know it's a closed community, right? It is. It's a closed community. There are women from Alaska to Madrid that are in the community. What they can expect is building genuine relationships with women from all over in facilitated conversations. But also we have an app and an online platform. And what's really important to me is that I am setting a foundation in our community for discourse. And what that means is that we are learning from one another. Again, it goes back to once you get to a certain age, you stop learning and, you know, this is your lot in life at 35, you're done. The community Mm -hmm. is very much about having conversations that you otherwise may not be having with people that you otherwise may not be having them with. So we are in the middle of building out our partnerships program with brands that support us. We're having our online community. We have offline events. We're having video slash digital gatherings every single week. There's a directory of members with businesses. There's so many different specialty groups that we have within the community, like Artist Way Group, book clubs, et cetera. So I believe that every woman 35 and over should be a part of what we are creating. It is now my full-time job. I'm spending a lot of time in the community. In addition to obviously doing the speaking work I do, this is my priority today. And you'll see a lot more of us. I love that. And I'll obviously drop the links to everything that's happening with Dear Grown-Ass Women so people can connect and get into this because you are doing you're doing the Lord's work, for lack of a better oh. word. You're doing what oh. needs to be done. You're our leader for self-advocacy, self-prioritization, and also, you know, just figuring this life shit out. I think it's really important. You also wrote a book. (laughs) I want to talk on that quickly. You wrote a book called A Year of Positive Thinking, Daily Inspiration, Wisdom, and Courage. Talk to me about how that came about. Interestingly enough, I, I knew that I would write a book. I had been writing on Instagram and I'm one of those folks on Instagram that has way too much to say. So I write these long posts every day where I was at the time. They were never, they were never just pictures. You know, everybody else uses Instagram for pictures. I was like, I'm going to write a blog post today. I ended up building a really solid online community because of that, because there were folks that truly were growing and were feeling inspired and motivated, or at least not feeling alone based on what I was sharing on Instagram. So a publisher reached out to me and said, you know, we'd, we'd love for you to write a book. And I'm also certified, I didn't mention this, but certified in applied positive psychology. And so positive thinking is a big part of the work that I do, but not in the traditional sense of rainbows and butterflies. To me, being able to think positively means that you're accepting the darkness and the light. It's not either or, you know, the darkness is also part of the light. And so we've got to be willing to sit in the difficult stuff as much as we have to be willing to go out there and thrive. So when the publisher came to me and said, hey, you know, we know that people are looking for books on positivity and there hasn't really been a modern one written in a long time, is this something you'd be interested in? My initial response was, I would have liked to write, like wrote this book yesterday. And so I did. And I had a very short time frame because we wanted to launch it before the holidays in mm-hmm. 2018. So I had seven weeks to write the book. I Ended up going upstate and renting a house for a little bit of time in Ithaca, New York to just write. And it poured out. And so it is 365 days of wisdom and quotes and colors. And, you know, I get such joy out of seeing folks reshare this on social media because it's just a cute book. It's a colorful book. And so it's easy Mm -hmm. to share. But really, there's just wisdom that to me, I gleaned in the first 40 years of my life. And again, you know, there'll be more in another five years or 10 years, but this is the wisdom that I've gleaned from my own experience growing up the way I did and living ultimately the life that I live today. I think it's a good book. I think it's a great book. <laughs> so um, I think it's a great book. I think it's, it's, like you said, it's colorful outside, but it's also really colorful inside. And it's something that like, if you're really looking to feel good and just, you know, especially if you're in that period where you're sitting and waiting in your reality, in your movement, it's such a great book. And it's it's something that everybody should own, which I will include in the show notes as well. Cindy, oh. since I'm going to just cheat here because we're supposed to wrap it up, but I also wanted to ask you a question. Like, what is your advice, like your 
three things or one thing it doesn't even matter what's your advice for like aspiring people that are aspiring to start something or like you know like it doesn't necessarily even have to be a business it could be a movement it could be anything but like someone that's aspiring to that feels a calling in their spirits to start something whether it's a new business what is your advice for that perfect woman that's looking to break out into something new first thing she should do is say yes Say yes to ridiculous opportunities. Say yes to things that don't make sense today. And the reason I suggest something as simple as saying yes, because you don't know where you're going. You don't necessarily always have the direct path, but you'd be surprised how this windy road gets us to the place we need to be. So start saying yes to things that may not make sense, obviously, as long as they're not dangerous. But the first thing is say yes and put one foot in front of the next. The second thing is do the damn thing. If you know that you want to write a book, write. I don't care where you write, but write. But don't tell me you want to write a book and you've never actually sat down and spent the time to write anything. If you have a story in your head that needs to be told, start telling it. If you want to build a community, then ask one person to join you. But whatever the thing is that you want to do, start doing it. And don't look at everybody else who's doing it because all that's going to do is set you up to compare yourself. And then that's going to throw you back 15 steps. So if you know you want to do something, do the damn thing. One step. That's it. Say yes and do that it. That is so beautiful. <laughs> Say yes and do it. Like you've heard, Cindy <laughs> is our leader, guys. So like get into it and do what you need to do. Okay, Cindy, tell everybody where they can find you. They can find me at cindyspiegel.com. They can find me on Instagram at cindyspiegel. They can find me at deargrownasswomen.com. And also, obviously, on Instagram at deargrownasswomen. And everywhere else in between. I'm all the places and no place. (laughs) (laughs) You're everywhere and I love it. Okay, Cindy, I normally do this with every guest. So please fill in the blank. I am living my perfect life when... I'm sitting at home on the sofa with my husband watching a bad movie with a glass of wine in hand. Thank you for adding that glass to wine because it's really important. <laughs> and I love that. Thank you so much, Just Cindy, about. for blessing us today. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate you, sister, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again yeah. very soon. Yes, please. Please, please, please. Thank, thank you, my love. Thank you for joining us on the Perfect Podcast. For more real-life inspiration, visit our website at perfet.com.